Welcome back to part two of the video drawn Phantasm special. Mm -hmm. um, this time we'll be looking at Phantasm Oblivion, which is part four, and also Phantasm Ravager, which is part five. So uh, let's get started. Yep. Okay, so it's Fraser and Craig, back watching Phantasm, um, mm -hmm. episode 4, Oblivion from 1998, yep. um, directed by Don Coscarelli. Once more. Yeah, with essentially the <laughs> same cast coming back yeah. in all the parts. Uh, Mike's still Mike, uh, Reggie's always Reggie, and so on, <laughs> and Jody, etc. And obviously yeah, the tall man. Only one we didn't have the original Mike was part two, wasn't it? Yeah, so. yeah. So Angus screams back as a tall man as well. Uh, Craig, you've got to tell us what this is about because I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> as were many people, no doubt. Um, so, a uh, bit of a synopsis. Um, fearing he is a danger to Reggie due to the tall man's influence, Mike has fled into the desert. Mm -hmm. He discovers a portal to the past where he finds a clue to the origins of the tall man and sets in motion a plan to hopefully destroy him once and for all. Meanwhile, Reggie desperately searches for Mike. Right, okay. So kicking off with the start of the film, I mean, mm -hmm. episode three ended with a complete cliffhanger. Yeah, and very it was much like so. probably all, the biggest one yet. All bets are off. Mm -hmm. um, and then this one starts with like, uh. <laughs> it's like Reggie gets at the end of episode three. I mean, apologies if any spoilers, but like Reggie looks like was, he's going to buy it big yeah, style. Yeah, he's basically pinned to the ceiling by wall by loads of spheres. Yeah, and then and, the, uh, the, the tall man's kind of approaching him, isn't he? And he just sort of like comes in, and it's like I can't remember if he says something. It's not your time or something like that. Something like that, and he yeah. calls them off, doesn't he? Yeah, which is just no. It's a little bit of a cut all the way through. The tall man just, just wipes out whoever gets in his way, really. Yeah, exactly. Apart from Mike, but we don't know really why. Yeah, exactly. It's which starts to it, you know it started to go into in the last one that he has some sort of plans for Mike. Yeah. Um, which again it comes back to in this but there's no real reason for him to spare Reggie I believe he does say something about him being amusing to him or something like that yeah. but yeah it's it's. but it does seem like a bit of a cop out that he lets him go after he really seemed like he was in the in the shit yeah, yeah absolutely totally. well, we should also mention that the kid uh, Tim from part 3 mm. is just killed seemingly he's dead mm -hmm. but there's no real um, it doesn't go back to that much like it didn't go back to uh, Liz in part 2 being yeah, killed just very at the beginning of part 3 yeah. Yeah, it's just, just like get him out of the way, quick bang. I mean, the thing is, is that he could have just been taken by the tall man because he gets pulled through glass, doesn't he? Like yeah. a lot of characters have been. Uh -huh. He just kind of gets pulled off screen, out of frame. A bit like you'd the way Mike yeah. gets taken in the first one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and you'd assume that he's possibly dead, but there's no mention of it from Reggie, and he doesn't seem to even want to find out. You know, he just goes, goes uh, after Mike. So the start of the film, like apart from Reggie getting away, is Mike driving a car, looking very much like Richard E. Grant. He does, quite <laughs> doesn't he? Doesn't he? Yeah. he really is just fitting dabs. <laughs> uh, and you get like, greatest hits flashbacks. That's right. So yeah. Big, to bring bring non fans up to speed, if they should mm -hmm. pick the film up off the shelf, so to speak. Uh, the greatest hits intros in these films, which they do on every mm -hmm. sequel, just about are really good. Yeah, they are really good. They they do bring you up to speed quite uh, quite well, and they include generally a bit of new footage. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a really funny, clever, cleverly done in many ways. Yeah, there's a funny flashback on this one where they're all grown up, mm -hmm. and they're all and I found that 
quite good. And obviously they're using outtakes again from the first yes. film. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So in this film, we go backwards and forwards between scenes with Mike and Reggie because they, mm-hmm. they spend a lot of the time in the movie, a lot of the running time apart. Apart, yeah. Yeah, um, so it seemed in the last one that, like we said, uh, the Tom had some sort of plan for Mike. Yeah. Uh, possibly that he wants to sort of, I don't know, maybe sort of um, be his replacement. Like, like in, his indoctrinate protege. him, yeah, because like, he's got a bit of the metal in his head and stuff. Exactly, and He yeah. runs away from Reggie because he thinks he's a danger, mm-hmm. but he wants to get the tall man as well, and obviously Reggie's just following him, really. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it looks like he wants him to at least come over to his side, if not be some sort of replacement for him. Yeah. And this instalment further, furthers that. So um, we start with uh, Mike driving out in the desert and trying to sort of like come up with, we're trying to make he's sense got, of what's happening. Basically, also, he's got a cunning plan, hasn't he? Yeah, he has pretty much. <laughs> but all, I mean, I don't think at this point we're talking about his plans quite formed yet. No, 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 but, no. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it's very much about the Reggie's looking for Mike and mm-hmm. Mike's looking for the tall man, trying to find some some way to sort of beat him once and for all. Um, Reggie starts off on the highway and he gets like sort of accosted by this cop who turns out to be like a minion of the tall man. It's kind of like a zombie, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've got it down as like a Cenobite possessed cop. It looks <laughs> kind of like a Cenobite, but again, it's kind of out of kilter with the, with the other films. Yeah. Yeah, it ain't a little dwarf. Uh-huh. Um, it isn't one of the lurkers or whatever they call them, the, the guys who pull but the... If you remember, there has already, there's been zombies in part two and three. There was the... Yeah, there was the... but this guy's sort of like mutant-y sort of well, he looks he looks kind of like all disfigured in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose he's not like the regular cops because in part two there was the um, there was the father of uh, one of the characters who was in the who funeral came back yeah, alive. Yeah, he was in the. And bed in Phantasm yeah. three, there was a flashback with um, Tim's uh, mother and father, mm-hmm. wasn't there? Yeah. Um, and he was like a zombie. Yeah. Uh, the, the tall man could control. But well, this is more like this is a lot more. He's like super strong and he's, yeah, like he's, he's Terminatorish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 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 sort of a lot tougher than your regular kind of minion, isn't he? Yeah, he takes a lot of shots from the quadruple barrel shotgun to dispatch. Yeah, <laughs> leading away a daft line from Reggie. Wow, some cops can be real assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so it uses, as you mentioned, um, some deleted scenes from the original Phantasm to yeah. serve as flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that a lot of people's enjoyment of the film will no doubt greatly depend on whether you feel that that's a cop out or it's quite clever. Mm. Now. It's saved on the budget. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I was going to say. The, you know, it's a cheap way to avoid shooting more footage, I guess. Mm-hmm. But some of them are utilised rather well. Uh huh. Others, I don't know, just don't fit. No. With with the sort of canon that's been already established. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the first of these scenes, Mike recalls the day that the tall man came to his town, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of like him recalling how everything changed in like one day, sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, you see like the the tall man arriving in like his hearse, don't you? And mm-hmm. like, there's a scene that was deleted from the first film where she runs over a dog. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> that's quite nasty. That like, yeah, pet lovers it's off, beware. It's off screen. Like, you, yeah, you see the dogs ploughing along the road, and the, the, this kid that it belongs to, uh, and then you see him sort of driving and looking a bit sort of evil. And then he hits it, and you hear like a sort of uh, impact noise. Yeah, and, and um, it sort of establishes the fact that you know like everything was kind of idyllic before he came and then everything changed and they've been fighting him ever since yeah so from that sort of point of view i can see why they've included that one but at the same time in the first um movie you get this implication that he's always been in the town exactly so that's exactly now that's what i was coming to is that that's 
again at odds with what's already been established like uh-huh. you mentioned earlier um, in a previous review the picture yes that's like, the one yeah the picture and yeah the, the picture that comes to life, to where life he looks yeah. at mike and that would suggest that he's been in the town i mean it turns out we'd later find out that his his name his surname is more inside which is the name of the town which is the name of the yeah. town jebediah yeah and that would establish that he's been in the town for quite some time yeah i mean he could have returned which, to the town possibly again but... is at odds with the the sequels because the sequels all suggest that he's just moving through Middle America, destroying well, whereas it. Whereas it appears to have been there since almost like the Victorian age in that yeah, one town. It's like, exactly. Uh, so it's it's very grr. very strange. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also like uh, a scene where um, it actually it's I think it's that is it that same scene or is it a separate one where um, Mike is following Reggie's ice cream truck and it shows you that yeah that's what it is. Like, it shows you that idyllic kind of last yeah he's, he's sort of like yeah stealing he, ice cream off him and stuff but yeah. but Reggie knows he's like oh, he's not a like, week oh, yeah like Bless young him. scamp yeah exactly <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's not bothered by his friend Steve but I mean something like that it really makes just pardon in this film yeah it does kind of feel that way I mean that particular bit I think that the bit where you see him arrive in the town yeah fits more of a purpose because it's kind of like it's hard to know whether it's two deleted scenes that have been cut apart mm-hmm. or it's the same scene because it, there's a cut back to Mike mm-hmm. driving his car and then you see the rest of it. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that was all the same scene originally mm. or whether it's two separate ones. But either way, like one works a bit better than the other one. So Mike goes off to the desert in this movie, now, he... now wearing Skywalker black, <laughs> being hunted by Jawas. Yeah. <laughs> in a, in the natural desert environment. Also, he has powers yeah. as well, which I think he comes out comes across as quite sadistic. Yeah, he does yeah. because there's that there's a scene where he's moving uh, rocks with the power of his mind. Yeah, and he crushes a scorpion, yeah. which he totally doesn't need to kill. He could no. just kind of move it out of his road, really, using his psychic abilities. But instead, he uses a, a massive boulder yeah, to crush it true. quite sadistically, and he seems to kind of enjoy it. Yeah, um, but this instalment. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of developing these powers, trying to figure out how to defeat the Tall Man. And this one, this instalment is most famous for the fact that it expands the origins of the Tall Man. Yeah. So, Mike goes back in time through a portal. He finds this portal, one of the space gates in the desert. Which seem to be multiplying in the desert as well, yeah, don't they? Which exactly. I didn't like that. Yeah, I know. Mm. It's, there's no real explanation no, given. No, no. Anyway, he goes through this portal and he ends up in like Civil War. Even. Mm-hmm. Meets a kindly old man called Jebediah Monside, who is the tall man. Yeah. But, who obviously he's scared of at first, but then Yeah, then realises he's not yeah. the same guy. Yeah. Um, he even offers him a glass of lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> which is very uncharacteristic behaviour for Angus Scrum. Yeah. <laughs> at least in this movie. Um, but it turns out that he's a scientist who's experimenting with portals through time and space. Mm-hmm. And that he, he conducted this experiment, which Michael later witnesses through another trip through the portal. He sets up all these uh, portals, these gateways. He steps through one of them. Mm-hmm. And then on the return journey, when he comes back out, it seems that he's not himself not anymore. Himself, yeah. He's the tall man we know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So whether the tall man is actually a being from another dimension that's taken on Jebediah Monside's form, uh-huh. or whether he's been corrupted and changed into something evil by the portal, it's not really clear. Yeah, but I suppose you could think about what happened in, say, Phantasm 2 when they start to get the better of him and it's mm-hmm. all... The yellow blood and the sort of bits has, coming out of his tentacle he comes out of his head. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe an antennae. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so he could he's be just a, like a shell, really. Yeah, like a creature wearing like, human skin. At one point, what you see him come back through in I think it's in Phantasm Two or Phantasm Three, he comes back through the portal, portal sees a, 
original dead version of himself and he picks it up like a lifeless husk and, and chucks, just it, chucks it back through we mentioned yeah. that I think yeah, in the previous yeah, review we did. Yeah. Um, so aye, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm starting to lose it <laughs> <laughs> and then in the meantime Mike's doing all this sort of MacGyver type stuff mm, yeah. what's all that about? Exactly. We'll, we'll cover that in a little while. All right. Okay. Still I, a few more things. I know to you, say you've got a lot more better grip on this than what I have. So, but yeah, but so, a Jebediah then, yeah. Yeah, because Mike witnesses the experiment that seemingly turns him into the tall man we know. So, it looks as if his plan, well, his plan definitely is that he wants to stop the, that journey yeah. through the portal. Uh-huh. So maybe the tall man won't exist mm-hmm. uh, if he can sort of stop the experiment taking place. Well, so what was your your views upon watching that scene again? Ah, uh, I don't know really, because like I say, I was I was more hung up on what what happens in the modern reality mm. as to what Mike's up to. Yeah. Um. I I oh, I just didn't really buy the whole mm. Jebediah thing. Um. It just seems like Don Coscarelli's like, oh well, how can I get out? How can I write me way out of this one rather than um, you know, going I back to what like originally the explanation was? Explanation that you know he's a kindly old man that went under the universe and came back changed, or maybe something else came back instead. Uh huh. But it's so at odds with the rest. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. That it definitely creates a lot of continuity issues. Um, this definitely has like three has tons of ideas in it, so much so that it's like weird. That uh, the Coscarelli said by three, he was really struggling to come up with ideas because he's just like he's thrown everything. He's thrown, well, every sequel seems to st- you think you're going to get to the bottom of it, mm. but each sequel just leaves you sort more of question, questions, more questions, and and inconsistencies. It's, so to me, it feels like he didn't really know what to include and what not to. Uh huh. So and and I think that's been his problem since the original one. Even though the original one's a good film as a standalone, mm-hmm. and it works quite well. Because there's that many bits that were cut, like it definitely has this feel like he wasn't really sure what to include and he wasn't. I mean, up till the final screenings when they started to show it to people properly and it was all done, there was bits being removed apparently. So. I mean, in my notes here, I've written at the end again, it's a treat of a film, answers precious little brackets of Jebediah. Mm. You don't find out enough to. It sort of like it dangles yeah. the baits, but it doesn't sort of give you any much of a payoff. That's right. Um. When you consider all the scenes that were cut from the first one that turn up here, and that the series as a whole has quite a few infamous deleted scenes that both serve serve the plot quite well and also really don't, yeah, you kind of get the feeling that it is a bit of a sort of you know there are a lot there is a lot of patch up going on in the series. We should also discuss the hanging scene as well, which was also cut from Phantasm One. Yeah, or oh, the hanging of of um, the, the tall man. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. that's just that's nuts. It's really nuts because he's hung, but he's he's not really dead because yeah. he's just like hanging around. So exactly, because Mike, because um, Jody arrives at a key moment when Mike's being chased. They use the car to like uh, to attach a noose to a tree and hang him. Yeah, and then just throw a noose perfectly over his neck <laughs> in a one. Oh, come on, it's <laughs> rubbish. And then they drive away, Wait, leaving which, him hanging. Yeah, Mike's asleep on the night, yeah. and he and he's. He sort of toss and turn like he can't get asleep. He goes to check that he's really dead, finds him hanging, but obviously his eyes snap open. He's yeah. like, "Get me down, boy!" Yeah, and he tries to bargain, bargain with him. Yeah. Now, there's something I find really strange about that that scene, and that I've found very strange ever since I first saw it is that there's a bit where he's like you say he's, he's bargaining with him, and he's trying to sort of say that if he cuts him down, he won't come after him, uh-huh. and he'll leave him alone. Yeah. He doesn't. Obviously, he's still going to go and kill everyone else. But he says he'll leave Mike alone. And Mike refuses, 
and he says he, he won't come down and he sort of um, he, I can't remember his response but afterwards just shortly afterwards he, he comes out with this line where he says you're killing the world in a really strange voice and it and because in that movie he's only killing the inhabitants of the town and they don't know about the scale of it, it all it's a redub yeah it looks like a redub uh-huh. as well and, and I was just like uh, no, I, I didn't pick up on that, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, it could be, it could be a redo, but I did think about that. But um, but it doesn't really communicate the fact that he's killing the world in that movie. If that was in the original Phantasm, mm. that line alone wouldn't really make much sense. Because no. at this point, you don't know about the scale of it, and they didn't know about the scale of it. At exactly. That point. I mean, it's, it's funny when you see these sort of deleted scenes from the original ones. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what Don Coscarelli was thinking of when he made the first one because he. Bumps them off in so many different ways, and I just couldn't see. It's as if you just a scattershot approach of like, oh, I'll film all this, and then I'll find it all in the editing room. Yeah, and that's which is a lot of an expensive way to do it for a low budget <laughs> filmmaker, I think. Well, actually, this this is maybe another point where we should discuss uh, something else that was deleted that isn't in this movie, right? But it is important. Is oh yeah, um, you mentioned this when I came yeah. around. Yeah. So um, we mentioned in the Phantasm Three review that it shoehorns in the fact that he doesn't like the cold, which we kind of called bullshit on. Yeah. Because of the fact that it doesn't clearly establish one way or another in Phantasm One whether he doesn't like it or not. Yeah. He outstretches his hand. He seems to be like either savoring or sort of, I don't know, like kind of um, checking out. Because I think I use the analogy: if you put your hand, if you were near a fire and you didn't like fire, you'd be away from it. Yeah, Whereas exactly. He seems to hang about. He seems, he seems to be getting to be a sort of, bit of a buzz off it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, as as you put it, he seems to be kind of. Um, but the word you used, uh, he was like not saying like in a reverie sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, in a reverie. Yeah. yeah, that was a good way. But of you've been it. digging around in these discs, which some of them have got quite a bit of supplements on. That's right. And what and did the, you find? And there is a deleted scene from Phantasm One where um, Jordy's being strangled or grabbed anywhere by by the neck and like lifted in the air. Mike comes up behind him and is trying to sort of hit him. He picks up a fire extinguisher and gives him a blast from it. Mm-hmm. And the cold air, like, sort of makes the tall man reel and, like, sort of clutch at himself. Mm-hmm. Then he sort of lets out a bit of a, like, a kind of moan and explodes. Like, <laughs> literally, like, showering the mausoleum with bits. And it, the, that scene should have been in the bit where Mike's being pursued. Yeah. So, like, sorry, that scene should have been just before Mike's. He turns up again in the woods and he's pursuing him. So, yeah. That shows that he just regenerates and comes back. Well, yeah, but, but not that you actually see that at yeah, any point. Exactly. But, yeah, exactly. Until Phantasm, yeah, like uh, two and three. film, yeah. But uh, but anyway, that does show that he doesn't like the cold. But since it's not in the final edit and it's only a deleted scene, what we said before still applies. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, getting back to Phantasm Four, Reggie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just going through the same motions as every other film. Yeah, well, he finds is, a girl, yeah. hooks up. But it's quite actually. I found that quite distasteful. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, you'll have to watch it to find out. But um, by this time, Reggie's now more like Ross Noble. Yeah. <laughs> um, Should we discuss that scene with the? Uh... <laughs> it's just no. It's just I didn't. I didn't like it. I would say it's all. Is it border misogynist? I don't know. Oh yeah, I'd say so. Oh yeah, and another thing I've got to mention at the end of the film when um, the sort of, yeah when, when Reggie turns up, he, he thinks it's a good idea to put his old uh, ice cream <laughs> uniform on. Yeah, it's cheesy as. It's it's, just, oh, it's there's really no need for it's it. It's tragic. All. The um, as you might recall, he's an ice cream vendor in the original film. Yeah, and he basically gets his uniform out of his trunk mm-hmm. and dons it, and it just like stuff he, just appears. It's like Mr. Ben's uh, shop. You know what I mean? <laughs> Weapons appear and uniforms appear. Oh. But yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's like, not only 
does he not look uh, badass in any way, shape, or form wearing a nice green uniform? It's one of the most kind of tacky and odd ones with a little tie thing and like a waistcoat. Yeah, it, just, just... it just looks really strange. And it's, <laughs> he like tools up, puts a like a gun bandolier on with like his bullets and everything, gets his quadruple shotgun, like cocks it, loads it. Uh-huh. And he just looks completely ridiculous and just think. I know he was probably trying to do something for the fans to kind of link it to the original one, and it was like supposed to be, but it just doesn't work to sit in. It's it's so weird. I know. Bad. It's just <laughs> again. I mean, like if, uh, overall, the film. Did, did you find it was devoid of tension? Yeah, he wasn't really well because peril. There's, there's not really any peril or confrontation. Like, um, or uh, when there is, it's just a repeat of what you've seen before. So you kind of know yeah, what the outcome. Because the bit be. with the the highway cop is kind of like it's a bit different because it's like a tougher sort of villain. Yeah, but it's early doors in but the film. But it's villain, very early so, doors. Yeah. So you're right. The, a lot of the um, stuff that comes afterwards is flashbacks or like a non-lethal encounter with a tall man where he just has a conversation with him in the present. Yeah. Or meets the kindly version of the past, or observes them without even interacting mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. So it's serving the purpose of like filling in plot gaps and looking back on the series mm-hmm. without a whole lot of like present tension. But I mean, like the, the whole thing with the film when these sequels started to come out, the, the, the press was like, "We're going to answer the questions. Mm. We're going to do this," but they just answer the questions with more questions. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, so exactly. Um, and what obviously they, they've been low budget. Uh, Apart from the second one, uh, independent films, it's mm-hmm. like you want to get make, get your money back. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not uh, having to make another sequel. It's having to come up, find the money, etc. Backers and whatnot. It just mm-hmm. doesn't really sort of add up. No, I don't know. I don't and know. again, like you know, it's not the most unentertaining film, especially no, no, if you followed no. the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it fares better than the first time that I saw it. I like the use of some of the deleted scenes. Not all of them. No, but, but I like some of them. And I think it's, it's great. It's a great, great way to do things it's a great way to do flashbacks yeah. let's face it like it's... rather than casting other actors that look nothing like them yeah. it's great to actually have the original cast looking younger uh-huh. in the same movie yeah yeah uh, like 20 odd years there's not, not many ways you can do that unless you're Richard Linklater making that crazy boyhood film but yeah, yeah. Um, no so in this instalment it seems that Jody is not to be trusted and he might in fact be one of the tall man's minions yeah so it's a style that this is kind of established near the end of three, or they start to get into it anyway. Mm-hmm. So you have bits where he's popping up to help Mike, and later when they're reunited, uh, Mike and Reggie as yeah. well. Though Mike doesn't trust him, and he tells Reggie not to either. Now it kind of doesn't really establish one way or the other whether he is bad or not until near the end. Mm. Um, but that really again is not conducive with what we've had before. No. It doesn't quite work. I mean. That all this these things that I'm saying would would seem to suggest that I really hated. It is quite entertaining. It, it is entertaining, but there's more questions raised and the more answers. sort of downers. Really, yeah. um, I mean, I enjoy it in terms of I, the fact I, that it rolls along nice and quickly. It does, yeah. It's um, a very short film, and it's got some good scenes in it. And like, um, but there there are just so many inconsistencies. I mean, the shoe hold the tune tune and fork in again, which was never really just an. Uh, it was just a sort of, um, yeah. I forget what you call in the first film, where it's just sort of matches up. He happens to be playing with the tuning fork and he uses the, t- the Stargate as a tuning fork. To, but in this one, of... he uses it as a weapon. Yeah, and he, he destroys a sphere with it. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't quite work that uh-huh. Um You mentioned previously the MacGyver bit. We need to get back to that. Yes, actually. where Mike's doing dodgy stuff with the car. Yeah, he basically makes the car into like a bomb. Yeah. But he also uses like uh, parts of the car and like engine parts to make a makeshift sphere. Yeah. Now this is like a bit that's really quite curious. Is it doesn't really explain a great deal about no. what this is all for. I mean, 
there is a scene near the end of the movie where he attacks the tall man with a makeshift spear and it stabs him and he's, yeah. he says something about, oh, I see you've made this amusing toy or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And he just kind of crushes it with his hand and discards it, doesn't he? It does. Um, but it would seem that the bomb that he makes is somehow like either enhanced by his powers or it, or it's got something to do with the space gate. Yeah. Like it make, Somebody who wrote a summary online said that he makes an interdimensional bomb using the car and the space gate. Well, that's not even explained. It's somebody's interpretation. That's somebody's interpretation yeah. of it. But I wasn't quite sure how like Mike thought he was going to blow him up with a bomb when it's already previously been established. There are absolutely thousands and there's like endless copies and he just replaces himself. Yeah. And another one steps through the and gate. And all, all these gates are appear, appear and they multiply every time you see yeah. them, which for no no explanation. Yeah, exactly. Another thing is, just while we're on this subject, in the desert, Mike decides to commit suicide as a way of luring the tall which man Which leads up. into the hanging scene. Because he tries to yeah. hang himself and then it shows you the scene yeah. where the tall man's But also, he's in Death Valley. Mm-hmm. You never see him take a drink of water. Yeah. Just <laughs> applying a bit of real world logic, you last a couple of hours. <laughs> But then you don't I need to go to that. Uh, I suppose you could argue since the tall man's done something to him, is, is he got well, he's got all these abilities uh, tr- and things. But true, but, but there's so many like, yeah, plot inconsistencies and plot yeah. holes. Yeah. So um, because like so, but because we were saying about that thing to do with the bomb and that, like it's because it's not very well explained. I get the feeling that there is supposed to be something different about what he's trying to do in order to defeat him. Like he thinks there's some reason that this will work. Mm-hmm. when it hasn't worked before but Cosgrave doesn't com- doesn't communicate why what he's doing is going to work or what exactly he's trying to do with the with the bomb and the gate it's very odd um there's another deleted scene repurposes his flashback in which we see Mike with his mum riding in a car mm-hmm. uh, and then the same piece of phantasm one foot shown his grave would suggest that yeah. suggests that Johnny died at the time mm-hmm. um so yeah that that does kind of support uh, what um what they were saying in the first one about him having to die in a car accident, but again, too many things that's kind of wrong with that. Yeah. Um, it's just a very strange sort of uh, film we're, overall. We're definitely still on a downward slide with this one, and to make it even worse, there's a bad hair metal version of the theme at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think we've more than pulled this one to bits. Yeah, we haven't. We'll, we'll, um, we'll see what the last part uh has, has, to, has offer. to say yeah has to offer if anything <laughs> okay let's go hello again we're back with um phantasm ravager this time the final installment thank god <laughs> <laughs> so uh this one's the well just released quite recently yeah, actually this year yeah mm-hmm. um in fact only last month mm-hmm. it was released in cinemas and on video on demand thank god for video on demand otherwise we never would have got to see it well that's, um, that's very true yeah uh, there's no uk get... release at the moment no not even on on a disc or anything no i like mean that. i used the us video on demand service to watch it and yeah phrase is the same but mm-hmm. but basically um it has just only very recently been released and uh it's um, going to be a... I feel like I'm going to have a lot to say about this one. Right, because okay. not only is it the last instalment, but there's just so many things to discuss, uh, both good and bad. Um, so this one, not directed by... Uh, Coscarelli. Don, by Coscarelli, by a guy called David Hartman, but they, did, right. they did work on the script together. Yes, exactly. And obviously yeah. Coscarelli's quite quite involved, I'd, I'd imagine. Yeah, it was in production for quite some time. Um, haven't been finished quite a long time ago, but it I think it underwent some re-editing and things. Mm-hmm. And then um, Coscarelli partnered with J.J. Uh, Abrams to release the Phantasm Remastered, which mm-hmm. was the new 
uh, edit, well not edit, I don't think it's edit at all, but so, uh, cleaned, cleaned, up cleaned up version, yeah. restored version of the original Phantasm, and that yeah. delayed th- this film's release. Right. Um, it does seem, uh, judging from some things that uh, that have been sort of um, chronicled online, that it was originally supposed to be a web series. Right. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more about that in a while. We'll talk about the synopsis first. Go for it. So, um, in this instalment, uh, Reggie is travelling between different realities in an effort to make sense of everything that's happened to him so far. Um, are these different worlds he keeps on finding himself in, or merely illusions designed by the Torment to stop him on his quest to destroy him once and for all? Ooh. <laughs> so, in this one, again, I mean, I should mention also, Mike and Jody are in it again, um, but it's probably more centred on Reggie this time. It is, yeah. He is very much the main character in this instalment. Uh-huh. Which kind of is at odds because he's such a sort of uh, sort of sideline character, comic relief, uh, yeah, sidekick, and it's certainly in the first film he's just like a friend, like a friend of the brothers, as yeah. it were. And once again, this film starts with yet another recap, mm-hmm. yeah, and then again another. <laughs> he's on, he's in the car again. That's right, yeah, in the desert. I mean, we left him in the desert. It does start off. He's all sort of like dusting down after, after the, the sort of final battle. Sort yeah, of his thing, ice cream yeah. uniform's a bit, a bit, bit up. tattered. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so he, he gets. Very early on, gets chased by a couple of spheres. That's right, which yeah. This time appear almost one hundred percent to be CGI. Yeah. Now we had CG spheres in Phantasm Three, mm-hmm. but I think they looked a lot better in the in the nineteen ninety four film, really. Yeah. Uh, and that's quite a shame because you know the thing is, is that it's you would expect like CG in the sort of digital age and that to be a lot better. But yeah. It seems like they did it a lot better back then, unfortunately. Well, probably budgetary uh, restrictions. Exactly. I mean, we mentioned the fact it was supposed to be a web series um, originally and I think that kind of shows, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's this scene early on where Reggie steals the cuter back from this guy who's taken it from him. Yeah. That's quite funny, that. <laughs> it is actually quite funny. He strips him down his pants and like leaves him in the desert. Yeah. And that's when the spheres turn up and kill this guy. Like, yeah. Uh, and he sort of drops by the roadside and is like in his wild nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that's quite good, that. <laughs> There's also a really funny scene shortly afterwards where Reggie has to drive along back the highway and backtrack where he came from. Yeah. And he runs over the guy's corpse. <laughs> which is I, a bit sick. It is sick. <laughs> Again, there's another damsel in distress. Yeah. Um, which the seems, Reggie's trying to yeah, sort of sleep with, yeah, and it is a bit distasteful, isn't it? Really, he gets a bit sort of uh, creepy. He gets a bit creepy indeed, especially considering he's well, like you know, twice her age. Or yeah, more. oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This one's a little bit gorier than the previous instalments. You mm. tended to find that in the previous ones there was one or two like sort of big bits of standouts. Gore. Yeah, usually the sphere like drilling through somebody's head and there being like the sort of outward spray and that. There's a few of those in this, mm-hmm. and all of them are kind of like you know the body's twitching, there's Full gore on, all over yeah. the place. And it, it definitely does go for the sort of jugular with the gore a little bit more, um, including like the trademark blood spurting out of the back of the sphere that was such a big scene in the original one. Something's got to be good in this film. <laughs> <laughs> but so um, we've got this whole sort of reality and fantasy plot going along. Thanks. Like, so that's exactly right. So Reggie's finding himself in different worlds. Seemingly, we yeah. don't know whether they're in his mind or they're a product of the tall man. And basically, what what the film is saying or. Suggesting that Reggie's just an old man in a home yeah, with the, dementia. Exactly. Mike's sort of pushing his wheelchair and telling him that to, to, all the stuff about the tall man is yeah. like a weird kind but of fantasy kind he's of, cooked up. But then it'll sort of flip round and he's, he's in the same place, but the sort of tall man's impinging on that yeah. reality, as it were. So you, you're kind exactly. of like at odds as to what's real and what's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, which to me, like, 
it's a bit sad considering the originality of the I mean it's kind of a, a good a plot idea but yeah. after the first film it's like oh no. no I think that it's ambitious in certain ways in terms of the way like well we'll get more into that as we go on but it gets like it gets to a point where you know they're trying to do something quite epic and big with the plot um, and there are a lot of elements to that that I like Yeah. that I think were really quite clever but unfortunately um, like you say it doesn't quite gel mm. again like Air Fanals and Fog with some of the things that um, that have been done before there's a scene where Reggie's sitting by the fire playing his guitar that's kind of reminiscent of like Phantasm 1. Yeah, very much so, uh, yeah. Where he's, he's kind of he's got the singing. The open fire and that, yeah. yeah. He's, and he's singing this uh, song, this girl Dawn that he met. Mm-hmm. And he realises he doesn't, he's trying to like shoehorn a name into the song he just made up. Um, and he realises he can't remember, can't remember what it was. Can't remember a name, yeah, which again <laughs> kicks him with the whole dementia thing. Um, you get more Jebediah in this film as well. You do, yes. But it, again, it doesn't seem to sort of push it much further forward than at all going back to the effects for a second uh-huh. there's a scene where um, in the scene where Reggie's in this Dawn character's house mm-hmm. and he's getting attacked by spheres in a barn there's a bit where the CG looks alright for a little while that's it's not quite a bad good. sequence and that, there's also yeah. a bit where one of the characters who's at the house is killed and the sphere detaches from the head and flies towards him that looks excellent mm-hmm. for just that, that one bit if it all looked like that it would have been great yeah. I don't know if it's got something to do with the fact that it's like dark and it's on a certain background perhaps which looks yeah better. it looks better and then the... in the daylight scenes where it's on the highway it like, just looks it like it's proper guy. superimposed isn't yeah, it yeah it looks a bit too shiny and yeah. like sort of video game like it does um, <laughs> there's a really strange scene where a sphere kills a horse on like uh, Don's like sort of house. Yeah. The the the, the guy who's like a, a sort of housekeeper and sort of stable tender. Yeah. <laughs> she says some dude, bad news about your horse. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting more and more like Ash like, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he seems to have like he seems to have sort of developed like a kind of uh, bit of a California surfer dude sort of uh, speak. Yeah. And this one with a lot of like uh, lines that they would say. Um but the, but in this scene where it's first presented that Reggie might be going nuts and mm-hmm. he's in a home, mm-hmm. um, he talks to like Mike about his theories. Like, sorry, Mike talks about his theories. Yeah, as to things to do with parallel universes and other dimensions and that sort of thing. And he kind of drip feeds in to the viewer that there's other possibilities other than the fact that Reggie's nuts. It's almost like he's trying to humour him, isn't it? Really? Yeah, he is. Like, he's saying, well, you know, like I know what you're saying, but the old scientists have said that this might be a possibility and there might be. Other realities and this sort of thing. And I mean, Mike, even at some point, I'm sure he says, oh, we talked about all this yesterday, sort of thing. And it's like, the key, yeah. as, if, as if he had dementia and he's repeating himself all exactly, the time. Exactly, yeah. Um, did you notice that Angstrom's trademark, like, scowl and facial expression seem to be gone in this one? He just seems to be acting straight. Well, I wouldn't say straight. I mean... There's I, I, one or two I mean, scenes where he does the raised eyebrows. Yeah, scene. but I think he's a very but, old man by the time he made this film. It's true, yeah. So whether or not he, he was... You know, I up, was wondering up, up to it. I would say it's more to do with the guy's age rather possibly. than yeah. I was wondering about that. He doesn't do a lot in this film. No, really. he doesn't. No. Um. I mean, there's there's still quite a few scenes that that utilise him, but maybe oh, yeah. not in the sort of strengths of previous ones. No. Um. I mean, there is. I thought there was a really good scene where um, where like he's offering Reggie like a deal, mm-hmm. and it's quite atmospheric and it's got some quite good lines in it. And there's even a throwback to a line from Phantasm Two, that infamous deleted line where he talks about, uh, you know what, what happens when you die, die and you come, you, you don't you, go to heaven, you, you come, come to me. Yeah, he's like, I already told you about uh, what, what's going to happen to you, sort of thing. And, it's, yeah. and he offers him this deal, and he he seems to suggest that there's a way 
that he can get his family back. They, they don't have to be dead because he's, he seems to be like a master of realities and dimensions and things and he seems to be able to travel through time and space at will. Mm-hmm. He would seem to be able to bring Reggie's family back or at least take them back to the night yeah. that it all happened um, so his family doesn't have to die. Mm-hmm. But Reggie's having none of it. No, and he's no. basically like, you know, there's no way we're going to sort of stop you and find a way. Um, so but, I, I liked that aspect of it. I liked that scene. I thought it was quite atmospheric with some good dialogue in it. Like I said to you when, when I was speaking to you on, on the phone, I said, oh, they should have retitled the film as well. It's the name of an old film, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. Yeah. That's essentially what it turns out to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but yeah, it's... The, the Another thing we need to go into is The Lady in Lavender. Was there any point in bringing The Lady in Lavender back whatsoever? Just to say that the actress is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> really um and in pretty good shape it's kind of it's kind of odd that she's supposed to be the tall man's alter ego I, I still don't quite buy into that whole sort of thing i mean um, that, that was good when he goes back to the sort of mausoleum yeah. place and that that was a good call yeah. back to what the original one was all about it was yeah, the mortuary like it was which is the american ver- like you know it's different in america considering the purpose here. of the tall man's alter ego seems to have been to seduce, to, to young, seduce men. young men yeah totally just shoehorned in yeah and yeah and, and also the fact is, you know, if you can turn into some sort of a hot uh, woman, you'd think you'd turn into quite a hot young one, yeah. <laughs> rather than, yeah. rather than sort of well-maintained 50-odd-year-old. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry, that's harsh. Carol, Carol Vorderman wannabe. <laughs> <laughs> I just, no, I couldn't. The film jumps about in a sort of like... Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, which is totally to do with the theme. Well, yeah, it, it is, but... Um, it gets too um, ambitious for its own good. There's a lot going again. It's it's ans- it's coming up with more questions. Yeah, you end up in this sort of post-apocalyptic future. Exactly. Now this is what I'm talking about when we start to get into things that are quite like it. Basically, tries to become like a quite big epic film mm. on a um, shoestring budget. On a shoestring budget, and yeah. that just really unfortunately does not work. No. And this is my greatest regret about the film. Despite like some niggles with the effects and things. I was totally on board with what the film was trying to achieve, although it's kind of at odds with what came before. I was very entertained by it, and I enjoyed aspects of the story. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I really enjoyed that scene where uh, the tall man makes Reggie the offer, and I was I was enjoying like for for a great part of the film for what it was, you know, yeah. very low budget, We're, and the yeah. fact that it's like you know the continuity is all over the shop, but mm-hmm. you know we've got to accept that as like just part of phantasm in general. And we're really. happy to see a new phantasm film yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So I'm um, you know I'm pretty much on board like 100 percent, even though it's got dodgy elements to it. But then this scene comes along mm-hmm. and it derails everything it tried to achieve because yeah. they try way too hard to make it into this kind of epic big fight against like because basically. It's like, as Fraser mentioned, it's like an apocalypse scenario where the tall man's kind of invaded like the world at large. I mean, he'd already wiped out like half of America. <laughs> According to the other films, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but nobody seemed to be that bothered, you know what I mean? He's getting on with their lives. <laughs> nobody noticed. <laughs> but now you've got like giant spheres flying through the air. Which is totally at odds with what the spheres are, which is exactly. supposed to be a byproduct of the sort of slaves of yeah. you know, using their brains and taking things like the, that. Yeah. Taking the body parts and turning yeah. them into his minions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more like a sort of sci-fi craft that flies about with a bigger laser, like just level and yeah. cities and things. And you've got like dwarves everywhere, like fighting humans. You've got like um, you know miniature spheres in the streets and like and and loads of gravers. You know the the tall man's yeah. minions from Phantasm oh, II. Yeah, yeah, I got them mixed up as lurkers before. Yeah, yeah, but the, there's lurkers as well. I think lurkers were yeah. the the name the kid the kid gave the name lurkers to the dwarves, dwarves yeah, in Phantasm yeah. Three. 
But yeah, the the gravers are like you know the sort of henchmen who dig graves and yeah, with gas rob masks bodies. And that and that, yeah. yeah, and they look kind of steampunky in this one. Um, so you've got like a full scale war against all these minions, uh-huh. but it has awful CG backgrounds that like yeah. really stick out like a sore thumb. The the world's now become like the tall man's red planet with like a red sky and everything, mm-hmm. but it just looks so like so dodgy. It's like so sort of like you know like a fan movie that you would find on YouTube. I mean, there's one of it. There's a line by one of the new characters in a chunk, mm. little dwarf fella, uh, and he sarcastically says, "What a fine use of our time that was." <laughs> About two thirds of the way through the film, I thought. <laughs> What's he saying there? You know what I mean? It's like, is that a nod and a wink to the audience? Um, well, when that reveal happens and you see the sort of cityscape where, like, you know, all the battle and all his minions and all the various different things we've seen throughout uh-huh. the rest of the movies, it just, like, an explosion just happened in my mind and yeah. I was just like, no. Uh, it's just like, it's, it's like so many zombie apocalypse films that you've seen recently as well, just with a red tinge. Yeah. <laughs> And they also just introduced new stuff that wasn't in the movie at all previously, like a red explosive spear that blows somebody's head up. Yeah. Comes out of nowhere. And so towards the end of the film, it recaps on what happened at the end of Oblivion and we kind of get a bit of a sense of where Mike was at the end of the last film. Mm-hmm. And it kind of tries to show his journey from trying to blow up the tall man in part four to where he is now like leading this kind of resistance, yep. I guess, against the tall man. And that dwarf character is just doesn't fit in this nah, movie at all does he no. there's a scene where they go to um, the tall man's dimension and um, or rather like whatever I think I guess the like the dimensions are bleeding through in like our world now yeah. or he's made it like another red planet or uh-huh. whatever uh, red dimension um, and he basically because the one of these new characters is a dwarf he pretends to be one of the tall man's minion dwarfs yeah. and he like jumps on him with a bomb Mm-hmm. Which That's is just, just uh, yeah. which again, Mike's been around for how long fighting? Them? Yeah, he knows, exactly. He knows that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, why would he do it? Um, the scene where Tom gets shot with a bazooka as well. <laughs> again, there's really no point. We know mm. that he just gets replaced. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we won't say what happens at the end of this film because it's quite a new one. But mm-hmm. um, it's just another rug pull. Yeah, really. Uh, but, I won't go into it completely, but no. there is a scene where Jody turns up again, and seemingly he hasn't been evil all along. No, he turns up in the Cuda, which has now been like armored, kind of Mad Max style. Yeah, with, with like guns, and, guns and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and he kind of like sort of turns up to save the day. Uh-huh. Um, so that undoes a lot of what uh, was seemingly Phantasm Cannon. Yeah, up to like part three. <laughs> But I mean, this one really makes the whole Phantasm story Reggie's story. It does, because Whereas it's all been... it's been Mike's story all along. Mm. Which is kind of at odds with like you yeah. know what they try to achieve. It gives the audience a lot to chew on about what might have been real in Wonderful and what yeah. might not have been. Um, you could interpret it so many different ways, and that's another stumbling point, is that there could be an explanation in here somewhere, but it's so muddled and confused, you don't even know where... The sequels begin where the original film ended. Exactly. It could be that Phantasm 1 is completely canon and nothing else is. Yeah. That would be the best explanation, really, in terms of like what it's trying to do. It would uh-huh. seem that everything that happened on the first on the night that he came and everything happened in Phantasm 1. But everything since could have been in Reggie's mind or it could have been a tall man illusion. True, true. But, I mean, this is not helped by the credit sequence at the end. No. Yeah. That's, it, that is odd. The... 
Do you want so to? I've, well, all I've got, all I, all I would, all I've written down here uh-huh. at the end is, well, what is it? Is it unused footage? Is it outtakes? Why? When you've already had a definite end of the film, really, and then there's a, well, there's a little sort of, you know, like they do in the Marvel films, there's a character pops up at the end. Yeah. That was cheesy. Mm. No point to that. But then when the film, the credits kick off again, you've got all this footage, which is just, yeah, it's like Red Dawn. Mm. Reminded me of Red Dawn, sort of the montage sequences at the, at the start. Aye, of that. it's yeah. There's like a bit of sort of invasion footage with the giant sphere and all sorts and of other little bits. Them out and that just and... kind of like, I guess it, it's almost like um, where you get like loads of scenes that were in a movie at the end over the credits. Yeah, but except some of them weren't, weren't there. Yeah, it's just really odd. I mean, I don't know what was made for the webisodes and what's been shot now, for the feature for them, more so to speak, anyway. or re- more recently. Yeah, so. Again, that might explain why the plot's all over the could, shop could again. Do. I don't know. I mean, all in all, I was very entertained by it up until about like the third act. Yeah. When it started to unravel a bit. Um, but the budget just harms its effectiveness of storytelling a lot. And I and I really wanted to like it more. Like, I mean, the trailer... I, really all, I remember when the trailer dropped probably about a year ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. let, let's go for it but it, it, all along it's been the emphasis has been on Reggie yeah and Mike's been sidelined in this one it could have been the best film since the original and you know, looking, looking at it from a sort of entertainment point of view of it just being like solidly entertaining it might have actually been the most entertaining movie out of them all even more so than the original perhaps not better in a critical screen chin scratching horror sort of way mm-hmm. they've become more sci-fi action now yeah um, it's moved to the market I suppose exactly and the thing is is that you know some films, you know, they're, they're a lot more enjoyable than, like, you know, you, you think they're like a film that's just proper entertainment value from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. That rattles along, it's really fast-paced, you enjoy it loads. You perhaps, en- some people enjoy those sorts of movies a lot more than, like, something serious like The Godfather or Apocalypse Now or something. Yeah. You know, and in a similar way, I feel like this one could have been the most entertaining one mm-hmm. and the most fun one. And the best of the sequels. Mm-hmm. Not on par with the original in terms of it being a serious movie, like, you know, a good piece of sci-fi horror. Um, but just solidly, like, good. Yeah. And it just misses out on that, unfortunately. There's probably, like, a parallel universe out there somewhere where there's a version of this film with really good effects. <laughs> Don't so, even start with parallel <laughs> universes in this conversation. So, so if somebody can find a gateway to go there and bring us back the copy that has the effects that match the plot, <laughs> I'll be more than happy to watch, watch it. it. Alright, <laughs> let's have a... A summing up of the Phantasm series in general. Yeah. Definitely fan favourites. Yeah. It's... Uh, but it's, our, like I said to you before, it's a law of dimin- It's a proper sequels and the law of diminishing returns, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, in some ways it is, but considering that I actually really don't like Phantasm 2 compared to the other films, in fact, I'd say I probably like Phantasm 2 less than this one. I like it. You know why I like Phantasm 2? Because it had a budget. Yeah. And the effects are pretty cool. But. It just spends so much time meandering, doesn't it? Well, it's just because, yeah, it's like... And retreading. Yeah, retreading. Because somebody turned around and said to Don Coscarelli, there's a lot of money going to make as a, a Phantasm film. And mm. then the studio have pulled the strings to say, well, I want a bit more like the first one. So he's basically done a retread, mm. a bit of an Evil Dead 2 sort of thing, really, yeah. with a few bells and whistles stuck on. But I think maybe it's because of my age when I first saw that. I might have even seen Phantasm 2 before Phantasm 1. <gasps> Horrible. Um, but yeah, um, shouldn't do that. But no, I mean, so I do have a lot of love for Phantasm 2. I know you definitely don't. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I, w- I, I would actually rank them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Right. See, um, I, I would probably rank them like uh, 
one, three, four, five, two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, you could probably just lose two and just go one, three, yeah, four, five. Yeah, exactly, which I probably will on a re- yeah, if I ever do a rewatch. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, actually, I mean, Ting, don't get us wrong, though. There are bits that are good in two. I mean, I like the uh, opening. The opening's awesome. Mm-hmm. The opening is fantastic. How they matched that footage. Yeah. Using a totally different actor, like a young girl, I believe it was, I uh-huh. read in Phantasm It is pretty good. Because uh, like... they sort of shoot it from the back and that, and the whole... How epic the scene is where he escapes the house and blows it yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, it's just cool, yeah. The ending's good, like the meltdown bit with sort of effects where he, where he sort of pops. Pops, yeah. Uh, and when and the embalming with the acid. That guy when he gets the ball in him and stuff yeah. like that. It's great. And the thing coming out with the girls. But back. it's just like the middle, like, it sags a lot for me. I kind it's of feel like it's. American 80s yeah, standard three, action things. Well, well, three is really silly. But it's a fun film and it's kind yeah. of like. It's um, I mean, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Three's got better than me over age. Yeah, it has. Like in time, I remember when it first came out. I thought there's a lot of oddball stuff in it, yeah. like the razor sharp frisbee and the oh, home, it's, home, it's all a bit home alone and stuff. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but and like the the criminal gang are pretty crappy. Aye, but there's a lot of good there's a lot of good moments in it, and it, it's got a good pace. That one, it's one of the best paced ones out of them all. Um, and four, you know, well we've just discussed that that episode, but very messy, but still entertaining. Cool. And five just groans under the weight of its ambitions, yeah. really. Just, it's just in this day and age, it seems like films are either like super high budget or very creative, low budget, and mm. unfortunately, this falls between the gaps. I mean, we so we've seen some films in recent years with like stunningly low budgets that did like a really good job. I mean, Wormwood Road of the Dead was the one that sticks in my mind for mm-hmm. like looking pretty good considering it's shot on like um, on digital a sh- on, a shoe like, on a shoestring. Yeah, there's um, you know, it's. It just did a really good job with what it had, and there's been a lot of those sorts of films recently where they were just creative with what they could do. They really shouldn't have went as far as they tried to go with with Ravager. Yeah, I mean, I think you should have called it a day. Movies ago now, but it's it, it's strung along and strung along. But it is what it is. It's, it's an enjoyable exactly. series. But I mean, and we will revisit the series in in one minor way. Is that I hope to review remastered at some point. Now, I don't know what form that'll take. Maybe me and you will get our heads together and write an article. Or uh, perhaps do like a YouTube review or something like that. Yeah. Well, maybe we're gonna. I think it feels like we should do it in a different format since we've already talked about the series so much. True. Um, but we, whichever form it takes, it'd be nice to revisit the first ones as a standalone, not taking us the series yeah. into consideration, and just looking at whether they've improved on it with the remastered version, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whether you feel like it sort of detracts a bit. <laughs> um. So, that's it. Yeah, that's the... For the Phantasm movies. Mm-hmm, indeed. We're moving on to the next episode soon. We've already agreed on one film. Mm-hmm, As yeah. we're recording this tonight on the Horror Channel, uh, the show in House. Yeah, really um, nostalgic film the Ameri- The American one, not the Japanese yeah. one. We're, we're going to set with timers to record that. Oh, you, I'll probably watch it. Yeah. I think Claire have been passed out by then, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably watch it. and then yeah. we'll, uh, Really so nostalgic the, movie for me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, one. so that's the first one for the next episode. And we're going to... I've already thought of another title. I think we're going to go really diverse in this next episode. Yeah, good so, idea. Yeah. After covering a, you know, a whole series, it's probably a good yeah, idea. We've to done all the, we did those Italian episodes. Now we've done the phantasms. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll make it eclectic again. So hope, hopefully you'll tune in again then. Yes, indeed. Tune in, listen, download. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> stream. <laughs> yeah, stream even. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. Uh, my name's Fraser. And my name's Craig. Bye bye.